America Zindabad. Hello, listeners. This is Leah again with our Promise Special podcast, The Pardon Meets the Restoration. We will be talking again about the presidential pardon of our PAO, as well as Jeff Sessions' very troubling announcement this past Monday. Both these incidents are one after another, pre-planned moves in this chess game of politics. I felt so powerfully about this that I decided that there needed to be a transparent explanation of what both these actions combined mean to our daily lives. On August 25th, President Trump pardons Sheriff Joe Arpaio, an 85-year-old charming racist. I'm serious, people who meet him can't deny his charm. Hannibal Lecter was also charming, so don't get too carried away. We went over his conviction a bit in our inaugural podcast, but let me get into it one more time. In the early 90s, Sheriff Arpaio started an aggressive program against Latino immigrants where he would round them up and place them in tent communities to enjoy the lovely Arizona scorching desert heat. He reinstated chain gangs for men, women, and children. Oh, and uh, he decided lunch wasn't an important meal. I've spent a lot of time trying to understand why this man did these things. How could he run such policies? I mean, after all, even if a person is here illegally, they're still human. Do we need to treat them like animals? A principle of America Zindabad is always to understand the other side and why they think, act, and move the way they do. As Sun Tzu says, know thyself and know thy enemy. He's 85, right? The Civil Rights Act of 1968 passed when he was 36. So as a white man, he lived and grew up in an era where the white man was king, and like men of his ilk, he probably felt something was taken away from him by giving rights to those he only saw as animals. <sighs> Forgive him, Lord, for he knows not what he does. But Trump knows what he is doing. He pardoned his staunchest political ally after eight months in office. The offense he pardoned was the offense of violating the Constitution. And I don't believe he just did it because Arpaio is his buddy. I mean, those two probably kikied over Obama's birth certificate. What a strange sauna session that must have been. I find Trump's move is way more strategic and calculated towards his base. He got a lot of full-throated support of law enforcement, especially in the South, and Sheriff Arpaio's endorsement was very crucial for him. It rallied all other racist cops and sheriffs together. Man, you gotta applaud the unity of those brothers in blue. So now in the story we're on August 28th. The news is embroiled in Hurricane Harvey. We're all worried about the folks in Houston. So what better time for the Attorney General to let it slip that, oh yeah, we will be letting law, local law enforcement have military-grade weapons again, and the President will sign that executive order. Jeff Sessions, during remarks to the Fraternal Order of Police in Tennessee, I mean, can you get a better stage? Good job, Sessions Communications Director. Made it clear, Trump will sign an executive order that will reverse Obama's order of 2015 that limited the amount of military-grade weapons local law enforcement can have. So for those of you who don't know much about this program, the Department of Defense in the early 1990s started providing surplus military gear to police departments. All local law enforcement had to do was pay the shipping fee of getting this stuff. It was completely free. 
more than $5.4 billion of equipment has been transferred to local law enforcement. And there was a significant rise right after 9-11. I mean, it makes sense. The country was terrified, our whole sense of security and invincibility was shattered. So to give all law enforcement the chance to properly defend themselves against a potential terrorist attack made sense. So they started ordering these equipments in bulk. And we're talking tanks and grenade launchers and AK-47s. We're not talking about like rifles. So why did Obama limit it in 2015? Well, a lot of it had to do with what happened in Ferguson, Missouri. For those of you who may have been living under a rock, if you remember, in 2015, the people of Ferguson were protesting the death of 18-year-old Michael Brown, an African-American boy who was killed at the hands of a police officer. What we saw in those days of protest were police strolling down the streets in full war gear with tanks and shooting tear gas through grenade launchers. It almost looked like Missouri became a police-occupied state. So President Obama, in his infinite wisdom, reasonably concluded that local law enforcement may actually not need tanks and bombs. I mean, the county in which Sandra Bland um, was jailed, I think it's Wilcox County, I mean, I'll clarify which county it is, uh, but that county is a tiny, tiny jail, and they had a tank parked outside of that. I mean, what are they expecting? Like, what, what's going to happen that you need a tank on domestic soil? Anywho, the steady militarization of police is a growing concern and a key issue of the Black Lives Matter movement. Thanks to camera phones, we have unfortunately seen the unjust and unlawful executions of black men by police officers. We have been witnessing police becoming the law for a while now. As a Desi American, I cannot share that experience with the African Americans of this country. I don't know what it feels like to be driving while black or to be terrified of my life when I see a police officer walk towards me. Why does law enforcement of local communities have tanks and AK-47s? Should law enforcement be allowed to take the law into their own hands and be judge, jury, and executor? Well, what do you think the president thinks? He thinks absolutely. He pardoned a man who violated the Constitution, sending the message law enforcement can violate the Constitution and the president will protect them. He then gives them back military-grade weapons. So we now have a police force that doesn't need to abide by laws and can have any sort of weapons they want, regardless of need. These are the direct results and message being sent by the actions of this administration for the past week. So why should you care? Because your little suburb, suburbs police force can get a tank and maybe round up you and your family simply on the basis of how you look. If you look for it, you must be illegal. Do you think Sheriff Joe Arpaio bothered to ask people for papers when he was rounding them up for his 10 communities? Absolutely not, which is why he had so many folks in there. What's even more troubling, <laughs> it's not so much about the fact that this is doomsday and Trump is planning all this. The question you have to ask yourself is, is this how a leader should be acting? Is this how a president of a great nation should be asked? 
I'm not the only one who's troubled by these events. Even members of the Republican Party are like, wait, hold up fam, what you doing though? Senator John McCain made a statement saying, the president has the authority to make this pardon, but doing so at this time undermines his claim for the respect of rule of law as Mr. Arpaio has shown no remorse for his actions. Keep in mind, and I kind of have to applaud Arpaio on this, he was convicted, okay, in 2015. He then continued the policies for another 10 months. He was up for re-election in 2016, and he decided to run again, which he clearly lost that election. But the galls of this man, he really thought he had the support of the people to do the things that he does. What troubles me even more about empowering police and law enforcement in such a manner is that if you look at history, these are the steps that dictators took when they were consolidating power. You give the police and the military enough jurisdiction to do what they want so they support you and then you sign an executive order dissolving Congress and the courts. What are you going to do if the police and the military are with the president? Alright, alright, I'm really getting carried away. But these are my fears because I'm being shown that my rights don't matter anymore. Furthermore, it has only increased my frustration that our community does not vote. The importance of elections and the power of your vote should be crystal clear to you in these times. And it only serves to reinforce the mission here at America's in Get people to vote. When you do not exercise your right, we get people like Trump in office. When you say, eh, well, it won't affect me. I have a good job that can help me pay my mortgage and student loans and take care of my kids then you're denying an obligation you have for your children, and that is to leave them a better, more loving world. There is a growing distrust of government and the media, a feeling like whatever happens on the federal level will not affect us, and our daily lives won't change. But that's not true. That's not true anymore. It certainly cannot be argued to be true, even with the events of August 28th. People are floundering for the truth, causing them to flock to biased blogs and internet scenes that present a portion of the truth to appease their audiences. Or they just shut themselves off completely and focus on me, myself, and I. Whether you are one of these two extremes, or in the middle trying to figure out how we go from here, America Zimbabwe is here for you. You guys, country's in crisis. <laughs> And these four years are going to be gut-wrenching, nerve-wrecking, and just plain anxiety-causing. Now more than ever, we need to mobilize, unify, and most importantly, vote. We're working on a few programs here to help increase voter registration in the next six months so that we can get as many folks of our communities across the United States to get out into the polls for the 2018 congressional elections. We have a strong opportunity to take that Congress and get at least one major check on number 45. Even if you don't agree with our political stance here, I will still ask for you to vote. As Voltaire says, I may not agree with what you say, but I will defend to the death your right to say it. You have the right to vote. You have the right to express your opinion. I also want to say I respect the fact that you took the time to listen to my viewpoint on and analysis. Unless you're here for some trolling, in which case I say, be gone, there will be none of that. 
We all need to exercise our voting power because it is our symbolic voice in this democracy. And it matters. Never let anyone tell you otherwise. So tune in next week for our regularly scheduled podcast. We will be covering race and racism and racial divide in the light of 9-11, hate crimes against the Desi American community, and Charlottesville. We have a few compelling stories to share and a working theory on the root of prejudices within our communities. So overall, it will be a very cheerful episode. <laughs> Until then, cheers and America Zindabad.